Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Podcast and soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Conradino Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davis. You know what, Chuck? Great to see you. Thanks for joining the show today. Appreciate you. Thanks for having. Thanks for having me. It, it's uh, it's always lovely to have you on the show. But boys, we got a big one to talk about. We got League's Cup final. After a month, we finally get down to our final two teams, and they're both from MLS. We got Nashville SC hosting Inter Miami, and this guy named Leo Messi. And then we have Serie A and the Bundesliga starting. So we got some players to talk about and some leagues to preview. We got transfer news like Tyler Adams is going to be stuck in Leeds' purgatory and not be able to leave and have to stay in the championship. That wouldn't be fun for anybody. And then we have Vlatko news. Vlatko Andonovsky apparently has resigned from the U.S. Women's National Team. What does that mean? And we have a Women's World Cup final to preview as well. We can do that at the very end uh, as this is one of my last shows here in Sydney. So looking forward to it. Uh, Charlie, I'm going <laughs> to... I got the comment section is coming for you. Jimmy looks rough. Bro been eating snake down under? Bro is up at 5.30 a.m. doing these shows. Yeah. So, so, Tell them. So the trust Tell, fund, let them so know. The, the, the trust fund can relax in the comments right now until they uh, pick up this shift <laughs> and get up early. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm happy to be here. Excited to see you guys as always. And uh, Chuck, let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit. How, how are things going on morning footy? Things are going well. I, I have to say today in Stanford, I'm going to get coffee. And it's, it's this little cafe next to the hotel. I'm holding the door open and this guy freezes. And I'm like, oh, are you going to go in or not? He's like, are you him? I'm like, yeah, I'm him. He goes, <laughs> I love the In Soccer We Trust podcast. Avid, <laughs> you loved it. avid listener. And I was like, he's like, I can't, like, I can't get enough. So shout out to Steve from Stanford today. Uh, saw you. As a as you're going into the cafe, we appreciate it. All you guys, we see you guys all the time on the YouTube comment section. Um, really, uh, greatly appreciated. So uh, that's what I want to get off my chest first. But um, 
we're 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 getting into like the action again. So know, La Liga, Serie A, Premier League. Pretty soon we'll have Champions League uh, group stage. Like so, I'm hyped. This is the falls falls my time. That's when I come alive. <laughs> okay. Look at the, look at the energy here, Heath from from Chuck. He gets he gets uh he gets seen by somebody in public for the first time in his career apparently, and um, you know look how excited he's buzzing right now. I actually had the same thing happen when I did a show from a from a a WeWork last week. No free ads, but like I I jumped in <laughs> to to a to like a conference room, and uh, on the way back I jumped in the car. The guy didn't pick me up in the front, so I was a little bit pissed off. I had to walk down the street, and I just sat quietly in the back. And I could hear he had like he had some sort of satellite radio show on that was soccer, talking about Americans abroad and things like that. I'm I was guessing one of the Sirius XM shows. And he just asked me a couple questions and I got off the phone and he was like, yo, uh, can I ask you something? And I was like, what? He's like, are, are, are you Heath? And then uh, I, I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden we just chatted the whole way. And he's like, dude, I'm a huge fan of the show. Just, and it was the uh, it was uh, Uber driver, but he was like a part of the soccer community here in L.A. And I was I was I, I left Universal Studios with my kids to go do it and then came on my way back. And I was like, I felt kind of bad because like the first five minutes, I was a little bitter at him for not like making me have to walk all the way down the street. He's like, oh, I couldn't find where you were. Like, yeah, right, bro. You just didn't want to do the U-turn, made me have to do the walk. But then we ended up friends. So, yeah, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice well, well what, now what, he's going to know name? that you're bitter at him. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Um, Go back and look at your Uber driver yeah. receipts. I want to say it was I want to say it was I want to say it was Lyft. I'm going to give Lyft a shout on this one. All right. All right. No free ads here. All right. So we have a while you're looking that up, Heath, and before we give that shout out, uh, we're going to talk about Leagues Cup because we have to maybe recap the semis a little bit. Philadelphia, I can't remember the last time that they lost at home, Chuck, maybe when you were playing for them. And also the last time they lost, they gave up four goals in, in the game uh, in, in front of their, their face. Hey, his name was Maynor. Maynor, Jimmy. Shout out, Maynor. Sorry oh, to interrupt. Shout out, Maynor. 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 Oh, I appreciate you looking yeah. up. Shout yeah. out to Maynor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I immediately, when I saw Maynor, I started to think, like, are we talking? He must be a Central American name. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't get that far into it because I was only, like, five minutes from Universal. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Jimmy. No, no, no. Shout out to Maynor. And uh, I'm... I'm Surprised you didn't just walk if it was only a five-minute drive. But uh, conversation for another time. <laughs> so let's talk about this. First semifinal, Philly versus Inter-Miami. And Inter-Miami are excellent at scoring goals early. I think in the four of their games so far in League Cup, they've scored in the first 15 minutes. And then it's just kind of done and dusted. You have to chase the game a little bit. And Miami's going to definitely kill you on the counterattack. And they've done that in real style. And so, uh, Heath, actually wanted to hear from you because I know that Chuck is going to have some Philadelphia Union talk. But Jim Curtin was, said some really funny things afterwards. He's the coach of, of Philadelphia. And he just said, I think there was a little bit of, of too much excitement. We're too excited. Maybe we showed a little bit too much respect. This is Jim Curtin. We got punished by a good team. We got humbled a bit. They're only going to get better. That, that Miami team is going to go. And he went on to say that they just their ownership is going to spend like crazy. They're going to make them the best team in the league. They may already be the best team in the league that's coming, and I don't think anybody's going to stop them. So, so Heath, give me your thoughts, kind of overall on on Philly, and yeah. and uh, then we'll get into I think I, and and, and, and into Miami's chances in the final, of course. I mean, I think I think they're they're the favorite. Nashville are really good in transition, though. So if they can, if you can, if you can pop the way, I mean, this was a different Miami team, right? They didn't have a lot of uh, chances. They didn't create a lot of chances. They were just super efficient. Um, against Philly, 
but I thought I, th- I honestly think the, the tactics were wrong with Philly. They kind of got away from what made them good. They 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 definitely gave too much respect, but I think that was tactically not not the players in terms of how they were trying to play this one. Um, and over overthought it. And I think that's always the risk in these types of games is you go in having to overthink it instead of being, you know, you, you see the way that each team or every goalkeeper in the league is like, nah, not not me, not today. And then he bags on every goalkeeper <laughs> in the league. Same thing tactically. You go, oh, yeah, we're, we're smarter than that. We're not going to be the ones that let Messi get all the space and time. And they actually prevented him from getting a ton of touches in that game. But that clinical nature. And also, by the way, Andre Blake had a really bad game, and when you give up an early goal, it changes the whole mood of the stadium. It changes the momentum of everything, but I still think the tactics were off on that one. So um, as much as respect as I, I got to give Miami for the momentum they have, um, you know, it, 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 I still think it came down to, to, to Philly more than anything. Yeah, I think Jim Curtin acknowledged yeah. that as much as well. And they didn't take their chances, Chuck, right? They had a couple chances didn't take them. Well, <clears throat> I mean, Heath is spot on. They thrive in a two-striker system. With the high press and transition game, they don't care about possession. That's fine, but they they get super condensed, and occasionally they use their their wing backs and Baizo and and Kai Wagner usually are whipping in balls left and right, and they're super dangerous. But they they it's it's the tactics it has nothing to do with giving too much respect to you know Lionel Messi or Busquets or Miami or we're too excited. No, the tactics were wrong. The player selection was wrong. How how is Mikel Ua on the bench? I don't care if he's not scoring goals. You you play him. You don't you don't bring him in to to sit in, in this type of match. And I know uh, Julian Carranza had picked up an injury and basically was not going to play no matter what. You weren't going to risk him unless it was super close and you you needed five minutes from him or something. And that's why he didn't play at all. But this is a game where you play with two strikers. You you go ultra aggressive in the way that they typically play at home where you're swarming into Miami. You saw at the end of the game, if it made, if they got it to three, two and they finished chances, the game had completely turned. And that was more of the, the Philadelphia union we're accustomed to seeing playing in Chester that first half they were played off the park just because of the, the, their drop off. They were sitting in a low block and I was like, what the hell is this? And a mid block. And ultimately you have a, a young player in Donovan leading the line for the union. No disrespect to him, but mm-hmm. let's be real. That, that's how <laughs> you're going to be inner Miami with him up top. No, that's, that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I, obviously I, I see the union for what they are and when they play at home, they are so difficult to play against because of that ultra aggressive nature. But you didn't see that from them because the tactics were off. And as soon as you drop off and you make it easy, you give players like even a center back like Christoph, who struggles in this league when he's put under immense pressure. He's he he has yeah, been dropping dropping assists. He, he's been found out. <laughs> he's been found out. But all of a sudden, you throw in Busquets, Tata Martino, Lionel Messi, and a revitalized Joseph Martinez. This team looks obviously completely different, but you make it easier for them when you give them time and space to play a ball in behind. And you know, as good so, as Jack Elliott's been, when he's yeah. facing his own goal, it, it's it ain't gonna be good. <laughs> so, so let's take that idea and that description of Miami and what they did against Philly, but also what Philly didn't do. And I'm sure that Nashville, who beat Monterey in the other semifinal, and 
Hany Mukhtar had an incredible goal that got called back. VAR had an absolute shocker in that game. And then there was a penalty for Monterey in the second half that should have been called and didn't. So I guess those two cancel each other out. Either way, uh, Nashville did enough to get into the final. They're going to be hosting the final. And there's a big question about tickets and, and how much the cost. And I actually want to get into that with you guys a little bit. But first, let's just preview this tactically. Nashville, as you said, Heath, good in transition. Very good without not having the ball. Can hit you on the counter. Do you think that's setting up for them to play similarly? I mean, Philly was, as, as Chuck is describing, playing different at home when they shouldn't. All of a sudden, they're not playing to who they are. And that's a big regret, I think, for Jim Curtin and the team. But Nashville's okay with and comfortable playing that way. They have a little bit more of an established identity in that style. How do you think this one's going to play out? What's what's your uh, tactical preview of this one? And and can anybody run with Miami right now? Because they're full of confidence. I don't know if you can, but but when I think about it, you know, I think about when Chelsea were at their best. And I'm, I'm not comparing the two teams. So before anybody freaks out, <laughs> like they, they were You're super comfortable. The Chelsea were super comfortable defending in their own box, right? Comfortable in a deep block in their own box. Four or five guys in the area of just clearing balls from wide areas and then springing out on the counter and doing those types of things. When I think about Nashville, they're a team that likes are are comfortable, right? When they're in a deep block, they don't look like one guy arrives late on the press. They're going to get beaten, broken down, right? They, they're comfortable in that. You put the ball in from wide areas, they're comfortable clearing their lines from, from, from deep in the box. Like that is a that is a unique way to play because most teams that sit in a low block, they do it to counteract another team sometimes. And they're not great at actually defending in their own area. Whereas I think Nashville are, and if you can draw more and more players out, obviously inter Miami are, are, are vulnerable in transition. Um, and then it's just about being, being tuned in. You, you always, you're going to always have what we've seen with Messi, which is that like game changing factor that he could flip things around. But uh, generally I do like the way this sets up for, for Nashville because they had that harder route against Monterey and and Monterey, a team that sends a lot of players forward and take a lot of risk. They didn't have a ton, a ton of issues with um, because of of that just comfort in, in saying, OK, we'll leave some players back and we'll leave a few forward and play your game. They were good at that. And so I, I, I still like their chances to win this one. But Miami's Miami and, and there's just a little bit of a special sauce to them right now. Which, that you which can't Chelsea really... are, are you referring to? Which it's got to be a Jose Mourinho, uh, Jose Mourinho Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, I mean, that's. You know, when they were when they were peak, the reason people didn't like Chelsea during that, like I, I'll watch Man City because they're fun to watch. Chelsea was not fun to watch during that period. They just swept through and won everything um, by being playing ugly and being comfortable in those those positions that baited teams to to overcommit and then and then could hit you in other ways. And so, yeah. Um, All right, Chuck, Chuck, before you jump in, I know that uh, you had a special guest from Nashville, Teal Bunbury. He was actually one of my former teammates at Kansas City. Back in the day, uh, he jumped on to talk about Nashville and their chances against Inter Miami. So let's take a look at that clip, producer Des. If you do not mind, there's going to be times where Messi's going to get on the ball and we're not going to be able to do much. There's going to be times where Busquets gets on the ball and he makes some unbelievable passes. But the more we can limit that um, and all all of us be locked in, um, and then pick our moments to go on a counterattack or build out of the back, uh, those chances are going to be there. But I think we can't focus too much on them because then that takes away from how we want to play. Uh, and I think that's what other teams might be doing is focusing a little bit on Miami too much and not focus on what they can do and how they can attack them. All right. Nice little soundbite there from T.L. Bunbury. Your thoughts, Chuck. You obviously were yeah. part of that interview. Uh, and and do you think Nashville have a good chance? And they're hosting as well. Well, they definitely have a chance. Um 
good chance. Well, give me a percentage then. <laughs> good, good, good chance is a stretch. I, I'd say at this point, but I love the fact that Nashville went through Cincinnati, Club America, Minnesota, and Monterey. Those are difficult. That's a difficult lineup. It's it's actually much more difficult than what Inter Miami had to face. So I love the fact that yes, they have an identity. They're cool with it, and as he th said, they they're comfortable defending. They don't need the ball. But I will argue that the, the quality of defending versus the quality of the attack of Inter-Miami is going to be different because not only do you have the best player on the planet and the best player to ever play the game, but you have a Joseph Martinez who also just needs a half chance now. This is back to Joseph Martinez of Atlanta United with Almiron. So I, I think getting Lionel Messi was not only obviously in Tata Martina, great for the team, but in particular, Joseph Martinez, where now you don't need a Luis Suarez. You don't need to go out and get a right, striker. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. His, his game against the union might've been one of the best games I've seen from Joseph Martinez in terms of all around play. His hold up play was phenomenal popping up in the right spots, always being a solution. His, his ability best, to create space for best himself. performances in what this year. Yes. No, no. In terms of all around play, not goal scoring, just yeah. in in a in well, a match. Score, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, he was I, phenomenal. He was phenomenal in that game. And, and I think, well, he's always been a confidence player. Well, sometimes, even when he wasn't scoring, when he was still in that that zone, he's unbelievable. But I think when he scores first, yeah, it gives him confidence for the rest of the game. And clearly, playing with Messi and Busquets, being able to get that type of service, and and I'm sure they're giving some instruction, like, hey, I get the ball here, I need you to pop up in these particular areas, whether it's in behind or, or checking in. So yeah, it's interesting uh, to see how the whole team plays out. And, and I love that point about Luis Suarez. Like if they don't need to sign Suarez, then they probably can use that money to invest elsewhere. And we could argue that back line could probably use a little bit of help right now. They're not getting exposed yet, but at some point you like to think there's going to be a team out there that's going to figure out how to do that. And that might include Nashville in this final, especially with Haney Mukhtar, who has been, Fantastic. That guy is a hell of a player. Not that I, I I'd never discounted him, but the more I see him and the more moments I get to watch him and watch him play, I, the more I appreciate him. So he could be, obviously, and probably will be if Nashville find a way to get, a, get involved in this game and compete. A big reason why they're going to do that. One of the things, too, if you want to touch upon uh, Mukhtar, I, I, I know you've called a few games, I believe, of Nashville, Heath, this year. But also the ticket prices, I think, are interesting. It's It's causing... A lot of distress, not only for Nashville fans in this particular game, but for Philly and for anybody that's having to chase uh, Inter-Miami and wanting to see Messi play, where they're just going for a lot of money and pricing out people and and uh, and kids that might have the opportunity to go see it because a family of four can't afford, you know, $2,000 for four tickets or whatever it may be. And and that might be on the low end, to be honest. Uh, so, so, yeah, give me your, your thoughts on Mukhtar and, and tickets. I mean, when you look at Philly, it was sold out in five minutes, and there's always going to be that that kind of complaint. But you got four days to put on a game against you know a team like that. You've got you know all of those. I think almost ninety something percent were paid tickets. It wasn't comps. It wasn't all that sort of giveaway thing. And I, I'm not. I, I understand the theory. I want everybody to be able to go, right? But this is like talking about Super Bowl moments and being like, why aren't they twenty dollars? And you're like, well, that's because this is a big massive moment and unfortunately that's just sort of like a free market um 
kind of economics and teams need to be able to have those magical moments they can take advantage of. Now, if I'm the kid or the family with four kids that gets boxed out, it sucks um, for sure. But at the same time, it was sold out in under five minutes in Philly. So there's obviously a demand and a market for, for, for people that are willing to pay to, 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 to have that experience on their bucket list. I'm, I'm curious, Jimmy and Heath, of, of the nine goals that Messi has scored in six games, which is your favorite? Wait, or, or not only favorite, which has been the most impressive for you? Free kick game winner for me was that. That was yeah, the one in not- Dallas, I think. Well, the first one ever. Yeah, the one where he stepped up and scored coming off the bench in, in, I- in Miami was, was awesome. Right? You, I mean, you think there's no way this guy's going to do that in this moment, and he did. But also the one in Dallas is ridiculous. <laughs> well, I was I'd also say the the Andre Blake one is low key really impressive because of how much space he had. But he saw that Dre was still backpedaling, and he right. and that was you know that was set. the time to take that shot because he wasn't expecting yeah. Messi to take that shot. So that that was what was more impressive. Not so much that it you know went along the ground from forty yards out, but it was. It was just the idea that was so impressive to me. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Go I, that, I, I go to that goal. But last night I was at dinner. Uh, this is my flex of the night with Rip Hamilton, you know, ex-NBA player. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. and, all right. He... Uh, I was actually, I was invited. I was invited. Was he wearing by, a mask? Or... By, by all of our friends. <laughs> uh, uh, he wasn't um, uh, with, with, with Port. And, and uh, he was asking, like, what makes him good? What's the difference? Because he was saying – he was talking about an argument about how he he'd always believe, you know, uh, LeBron James, the best athlete in the world because, and, and most recognizable because he's a freak of nature. When he walks down the street, you'd be like, that's somebody, right? Like no matter where in the world, but we started to talk about those little details. And I was like, this is the first time that I've seen, and we've mentioned it here before a player that has the ability to take over a game. And we were talking about in basketball, right? When he caught a hot streak, he'd go get the ball from anywhere, right? Just say, give me the ball. I'm hot. Like I'm taking over this game. I'm going to shut it down. But in soccer, it's such a team sport, and teams can prevent that, and you've got a goalkeeper and 11 players behind the ball, that it's really hard to have that player. So when you talk about Messi being set up with a free kick where the goalie kind of knows where he's probably going to go, can't leave too early, you've got a wall, you've got all these things to deliver in that type of moment, that was the first time in a long, like maybe even ever, that I, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is actually the guy who you can give the ball to at any point because he's like, I'm about to do this for you. Um, and I don't know a lot of others outside of uh, in big moments like that that, nope, that can right, do that in history. Don't, Chuck, Chuck, don't bite because we have our first break of In Soccer We Trust. Chuck is triggered Ooh, right Chuck. now, everybody, for, for everybody that can't see, but uh, he's going to be ready to jump in on this conversation. We'll keep it going as well. Antoine Griezmann made some comments about MLS. we got transfer news and some leagues to preview, so do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
The nation's most historic and therefore most prestigious soccer tournament, the U.S. Open Cup, returns on Wednesday, August 23rd with two mouth-watering semifinals. You can catch all the action live on the CBS Sports Galasso Network and Paramount+. Plus. You can witness Lionel Messi's debut in this iconic competition and one of my favorite competitions that we have here in the States as the Inter-Miami juggernauts kicks off against FC Cincinnati at 7 p.m. Eastern, followed by Houston Dynamo and our friend Ben Olsen, who's the manager of that club, taking on another friend of ours, Pablo Mastriani, who manages Real Salt Lake at 9.30 p.m. Coverage begins overall at 6 p.m. Eastern, so make some time for it. It's another competition for Inter-Miami. Have a chance to win a trophy. Two games away from that. Can Messi come in and make that immediate impact? Now, Chuck, I know you were triggered, but let's get into predictions of this game. I'm going to say Miami 2-1. What do you got, Chuck? That's a great prediction. Thank you. But? I'm going to go 1-0 Miami. Whoa! Whoa, that's tight. Heath? I'm going to go with... uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nashville and penalties. Wow! Breaking hearts over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, into Miami hearts or new MLS fans hearts. All right, let's get into, well, Chuck, you got triggered by something that he said. So why don't, why don't we go there and then we can get into uh, some comments made by some, some pretty influential people in the sport about MLS, but keep what, what you were triggered. Yeah. Just because he said, Lionel Messi's the only player that t- takes over a game that he's seen that he's, that he can in MLS look in, and no, in, in general, not just MLS. No, in MLS. I said MLS. Yeah, the point is the point is that we've had a lot of big stars in MLS that have done great things. I haven't seen one. But listen, Sebastian Jovinko's first season was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. That was Robbie Keane and Jovinko both both are on that list of taking over a game. Yeah, I I I don't know if I'd have had Robbie Keane in the conversation, but I I like that because he he yeah his movement he was he was moving to the box next level. Incredible. He was incredible in MLS. I, I was kind of thinking of Mike McGee's MVP season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out oh, to I, yeah, but I, I'm not. I'm not talking I, I, about I, I having. Thought talk, I thought you were talking I'm about not, general. Yeah, I was like, but I'm not. What about I'm not CR7 about, at when he was at Man United? I mean, yeah, but I'm not talking about. Absolutely I'm, took I'm, over games. The, the nuance of 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 what I'm saying isn't about like put the ball in the box and let Ronaldo dunk on people. Like obviously, I'm talking about oh. a guy. I'm talking about in in comparison to American sports where you have a small team sport like basketball and a guy says, give me the ball and takes over the game, right? Isolate, spread out, put up 40 points in the second half. Like that, yes. that's what I'm talking that, about. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. CR7 at Man United before he made the move to Madrid when he's on the wing, give him the ball, isolated, taking over games, the entire game. Eden Hazard at Chelsea when he was at his best, took over games, give him the ball, he would win the matches by himself for Chelsea. Uh, and then Thierry Henry with Arsenal. Absolutely dominated the game. Give him the ball. He 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 commanded all the attention. And and for me, when you watch a match and someone stands out the entire match, and I was even going to say all three of us got to see Raquel May do it for Argentina. Absolutely okay. bossed the game. No, yeah, he did. And uh, I still wish I would have told him to just keep his shoelaces untied for that particular game. He's you know what? You know what? Anyway. Like Chuck's all upset, and we're we're in agreement with you. Those guys were dominating those. <laughs> and, anyway, I'm anyway, so there's. I was just making a point. God, I, you, you looked upset. So so okay. It, it, so it's we still, it's still a different thing. All right, all right. Let's let's keep it moving. We got two two World Cup winners who came out and have endorsed MLS. We're going to start with Argentina's Lionel Scaloni, the manager, who said, "I don't think the level in MLS is bad." 
On the contrary, I was at Inter Miami's game versus Charlotte, and I didn't think it was bad. In fact, the level was acceptable. <laughs> I don't, these are these are funny lines. Every football match is difficult. You have to play them. There's no doubt that MLS is a league that's trending up. It's improving and it's attracting footballers to come and play here. It's a country that's also attractive. But I can see the challenges that MLS presents, and I've seen good teams here. I know that this league is going to continue to improve. There's some very good players here, and even better players will make their way here. Um, okay, that's. I don't know if that's a full-on compliment. A backhanded one? Maybe? Yeah, in some ways. I and and, and I why he has to say that. I mean, I'm, I feel like Messi's playing in the league now, so he can't he can't like come out and say, "Hey, dude, that's a crap league." I don't know. That's one thing. <laughs> also, also, Antoine Griezmann, uh, Greasy came out and said that uh, he's thinking about coming to MLS at some point, and he's been watching. He knew that Nashville was in the final against Miami. Let's see what he had to say. It's gonna be pretty cool here. Primero, me gustaría aquí seguir haciendo historia. Ganar, ganar títulos aquí en el, en el Atleti y luego ve, veremos, pero, pero sí que para mí sigue siendo un objetivo terminar en la, en la MLS. Woo! So, so Greasy came out for those that are listening and not seeing with the translations there on the screen that basically he's here at Atleti and at some point he wants to finish his career in MLS. And and I had given you a quote that he doesn't actually say in that interview, but uh, he's been watching League's Cup. He obviously played with Messi for two years at Barcelona. Now, his contract runs with Atleti till 2026, and that's where Messi's runs out. So I wonder where Griezmann would go, where he'd be the best fit. But that dude looks like he's Miami through and through. So I don't really see him in any other place, Heath. I mean, maybe you could convince him to L.A. and New York, but I don't see him going to Salt Lake City. You know what I mean? Hey, New England. He loves the Celtics. He loves basketball. He loves the NBA. He loves, yeah, he loves American sports in particular. Uh, Heath, where do, you, where do you see this guy? You think Griezmann's going to Boston? Foxborough? <laughs> <laughs> Playing on the turf know. with Foxborough. Uh, hey, hey, you want, hey, I'll tell you what. You know what? You know what Thierry Henry liked? He liked, he liked the NBA. And you know what he used to do? Leave training, fly down to San Antonio, hang out with his boy, Tony Parker, watch a game, fly back, and go to training. You know where he lived? New York. So like, you know, you can have when you when you get to a certain level, you don't you don't have to live somewhere to enjoy the the benefits Chuck knows of, of this that though. Place, Heath, Chuck, you know? Heath, Chuck knows yeah. this. He's got like two you planes. Just go, you just go house. and you're back you're preaching to the choir, you know, dude. straight to training. That's what you do. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need to play at Foxborough to be able to enjoy the Celtics. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, no, but I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't see him going anywhere else. Like he's he's kind of like. He, he was like an early Miami adopter, too, of like, yeah, I got my hand up in the air. Now, whether or not they can make that happen, whatever level he's at when he finally goes there, you know, who knows? Um, but uh, it, 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 they do need a succession plan because two, two and a half years is going to fly by in our young league. Yeah. And, and, and um, you don't want all that momentum to go away with it like the 70th minute when Messi gets subbed out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Chuck, you're saying Boston because I think you want to be friends with Greasy, but... Uh, where do you think he's really going to go? New England. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Dude's no. not going to go play on turf at Foxborough. This is not no, I, happening. I, I could see him in, in New York. I feel like that's a, a good spot for him, whether it's well, New York two City teams there, or Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, either, either right. one. I could see him just in New York. I, I feel that would be a great spot for him. All right. Okay. Bo both teams need him. That's for damn sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a yeah, big conversation to have. And he's if he's motivated, ready to go, the guy obviously super talented. All right. Let's talk about a couple leagues that are starting this weekend. 
We got Serie A and Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Also, don't forget, every Serie A match this season will stream live on Paramount Plus with select matches simulcasting on CBS Sports Network and CBS Sports Glosso Network as well. So that's very exciting. But we have two players in particular that are playing for a team in Milan named Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa. So let's just talk about them. Where do you think Christian Pulisic will play? Will he play Keith Pierce? And I do think he'll start this first game against Bologna. But there's talk, and apparently Samuel Chukwesi has been blowing people's minds, including the manager Stefano Pioli, over his first 10 to 14 days with the club. And they're just, just amazed at how well he can dribble. That gives me some pause because I'm thinking, oh, great, here we go again with Pulisic and not being a first choice. But he's got a big opportunity again against his game uh, in Bologna. And then and then I'll come to you about Eunice there, Chuck. But uh, talk to me about Christian Pulisic, Keith. Yeah, I think he'll get a fair uh, he'll get a fair chance to start. He's at a massive club and he's got to deliver, right? He's got to show. Like we just joked about guys taking over games, but he's got to show. We've seen when Christian Pulisic has the ability when you see him for ninety minutes, right? You feel him every time he has the ball. There's a positive action or a positive movement. He's having an impact on the game. Hopefully that plays out in goals and assists and things that you can put into like the stat categories. But when he's at his best is when he was, you know, uh, based on minutes played in, in the Premier League, you know, most successful dribbles, things like that. You want to see that from him. He's not going to get a free pass to just have neutral performances. So I think he I think he's still in the right spot, but it's exactly what he should feel in one is somebody knocking on the door so that we, we get the best out of him. But yeah, I, I, I think, I think he will get a, a fair run of, of games so long as his, his performances support that, you know? Right. Of course. So Giroud's going to be up top. I think we have Leao on, on one side who is arguably not only the best player on Milan, but potentially the whole league. He's already won player of the season before, not last season, but the season before that. So Chuck, what are we saying? Uh, you can touch upon Pulisic, of course, but also Yunus Musa is not available for this first game. He had a red card in his last game for Valencia, and that carries over, which was news to me. I didn't know that rule existed. That if you get a red card in one league, that will carry over to another whole new league that doesn't shouldn't even matter. But here we are. So Yunus Musa is not available for the Bologna game. But um, I'm curious to see how they play without him, and, and I'll give you some quotes from him after I get your overall thoughts. Yes, I think that we're going to see Christian more as a right winger than as a number 10. I know Pioli talked about potentially playing him in both and playing him under, under an Olivier Giroud. But I, I think what's great about this Milan side is that they're tactically flexible. They have a number of players. They also brought in Okafor and no Okafor can play as a center forward. He can play as a withdrawn, as a false nine. I think Chukwesi could also play as a false nine. Um, so I think what we're going to see is Christian Pulisic is going to get every opportunity to succeed in, in this Milan side. Um, and then you just, you just got to hope that he stays healthy ultimately. Uh, and Rafael Leal, as long as he's playing, he's not going to come off, expect him to play 90 minutes every match. So that left wing spot is locked. And then Olivier Giroud, I think you're going to see him rotated quite a bit because I don't, he, I don't think he could play every single match. And so yeah. you, you, that's where you'll start to get some opportunities with that nine, whether it's Okafor or Chukwesi, uh, false nine. And then Pulisic, when he when he's on the pitch, he just has to deliver like he'd be at any top club. So right. moving from Chelsea to Milan, it's not going to get any easier. The only op the only thing that changes is you're going to get an opportunity. A coach wants you. You brought you in. So now you get your chance to play. When you get your chance, you have to take it. If you don't, guess what? 
Quizzy's going to play. Okafor is going to play. Rinders is going to play. Um, you know, so, so Eunice Moose. There's the question. Lo- yes. But the, the question for me is, and then this is all subjective to a manager's preference, but, but say you're the coach, how much of an opportunity do you give someone? Like, okay, sometimes that first game might not go well. Does that mean that somebody has to sit the bench for a couple of months? I mean, do you give what's – your, what's your leash? What's your rope that you give a player to – especially ones that are coming into a new league – and, and it's a different competition. It's not necessarily better or worse. It's just different. And you have tactics that are different and different teammates, of course. Mm-hmm. Do you give a Pulisic – what is that? Is it two games for you? Is it three games? Like how much do you give a particular player? And then Chukwesi comes off the bench for him on the 60th minute for three consecutive games. I always wonder that because it's – it's it's even when I coach, it doesn't matter what age. You're like, okay, when do I start to move on to somebody else or, or try something different? Be, being a striker and having played in Europe, the the demands are quite different, right? Because right now, it result it's results driven. This uh, every league, there's so much pressure to for Milan to not only compete in Champions League, but also to win Scudetto, to win Coppa Italia, uh, Coppa right. Italiana, right? So Super Coppa Italiana. So you have to figure out how much do you're going to give a pl- a team to settle in to build that chemistry versus what are the results that we're getting? Are, are we, is Christian playing, not playing well, but the team's still winning. Then you can, you can continue to right, give him right. a yeah, run of right. three, four five games. But as soon as they start to lose and he's playing and he's not playing well, or he's not playing better than the rest, he's getting, he's going to get changed. That's just how it is. It's results driven right. business. So, Ultimately, you'd like to see him get a run of four or five games because that, you know, that I think is enough time to see. Yeah, establishing Does everyone learn your tendencies? Does he learn everyone's tendencies? Does he have a good right. idea of, of the tactics that Pioli wants? Good idea of, of the league because Premier League and Serie A are going to be quite different. So ultimately, I think a run of four or five games is typically what you get. And then it's off to the bench if you don't deliver. I remember Ziggy Schmidt was famous for giving you three games. and. Uh... I fell victim to that and didn't get to play for a while <laughs> if I didn't do well with my three games, regardless of how the team was playing. But uh, I do agree with you that there's a lot of situational based stuff. I mean, if he's still creating goal scoring chances, maybe they're just not finishing or he's not finishing, then, you know, and, and the team's winning. You're going to keep mm-hmm. him going, I think. But um, all right, let's talk about Eunice Musa then. Heath, he had a couple quotes that I thought were interesting. He was asked, what position will he play for, for Milan? And he said, Pioli is asking me to play as a central midfielder. He's explaining the positioning and how to get into the area. I like that uh, last part of that because that means he's going to be expected to to crash the box Attack late me. when the ball goes yes. out wide. And then he's they, I like this one too. Who's your idol? And he could go obviously any any player can go any different direction. He says I really like Yaya Torre. He was a reference for me, and I still watch his videos. He had technique and power. He had everything. And uh, man, I I hope he continues to watch Yaya Torre. A huge fan of his game. And then last question was, where do you need to improve? And Eunice said, I can do more in the finishing phase. Maybe score more goals. There's a high level of tactics here. That's something I need to work on. The coaches are helping me now. So I like it. I'm liking everything that's coming out of his mouth right now. And uh, clearly he listens to the show and or watches mm-hmm. because we've been talking about him trying to get <laughs> more finishing opportunities as well. I mean, you when you think about all the things that we like about him as a deep midfielder, right? His ability to beat the first player on the dribble and open up the game individually. And you think about adding that in the attack, right? It's the same principles in theory, right? Being able to free yourself up to get a shot and be clinical in that finish. Like 
timing of your run into the box, like all those types of things of understanding time and place. You add that to his game, and I mean, you're talking about a massive, massive player with his upside, you know. But yeah. to hear that sort of like intellectual student side of the game, I I really like. Um, it's great to hear, and it's not just like sometimes we look at these guys and we're just like, why aren't why aren't they better than they are, you know? And clearly, he's <laughs> he's got some things uh, things that they're working on. Uh, that that I I think again that that self awareness at his age is 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 pretty great, right? Because you you ask me at that age, I don't know, I might give you a few things. I'd say you know, crossing or or whatever it is, but like these are he's more because he's got such a high quality. He's in the details um, of of what he should be doing. All right, so AC Milan are currently plus four hundred to win Serie A. Inter, the the team they share a stadium with, the San Siro, are favorites at plus one seventy five. Milan will also be. In the Champions League, that draw will be happening very soon. And the first game is away. It's happening on Monday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern. Make sure not to forget that every Serie A match this season will be streamed live on Paramount+. Plus. So that is very exciting. But let's talk Team Awea really quick, Chuck, before we get to our second break and last break of the show. He's playing for Juventus. And so the big question is Maxi Allegri. Where where will he play? Will he play out wide right? Will he play as a wingback like Juan Cuadrado? Uh, and, and I guess another question to add on to that, should Greg Berhalter try to replicate whatever he's doing for his club team? And then we got Weston McKinney, obviously we got to throw him in there too. Cause he feels like he's still not the guy under Allegri. And that's a bit of a shame because we know that he's got it in him, but he might need those running games too, to build that rhythm. So, so your thoughts on, on Juve and, and Wea and McKinney. Well, I'll start with Tim Wea and what we saw from him in the nation's league as, as that right winger was phenomenal. Just a complete performance in both matches. Just so confident in the ball. And he even said, you know, as good as I am or have played as an attacking player with the U.S. national team, my long-term position is that right wing back spot. So he's bought in to being a right winger for the rest of his career. So I thought I found that interesting given his upside as we were saying as a nine, try the nine or be more, more of an impact right winger when he's he's committed to being to playing both sides of the ball. And so now that kind of opens up interpretation for that. If you did play three in the back and you played with um, wing backs, that you would be kind of facing a competition between him and Serginho Dest. And, and right now there's reports that Serginho Dest could be on his way to PSV, which could be also a very interesting. Um, now that you have three Americans potentially there with, with Pepe and uh, Malik Tillman, uh, obviously because of Ernie Stewart being the sporting director there. But I, I, I just have so much time for Timothy Weah because he's quality. He gives you hundred percent commitment in, in, both attacking, defending, good. He's he's improved drastically with his service. So his his crossing and his and his final ball have been uh, drastically improved. He can score goals as he did in the World Cup, and you just feel like he's going to continue to grow because he he's hungry. He wants to be pushed. So I I love that about Timothy Weah. Uh, really impressed with his his mentality. And then I think with Juventus now with Quadrado gone, that's who's he's filling the yeah. shoes for. He's going right. to get every rep. I mean, scoring in preseason against Real Madrid, I know it's preseason, but that's massive for, for not only his confidence and, and belief in the team, but also all the players within that Juventus setup to say, oh, this guy can do it. 
This is this is against yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah. And Wes McKinney provide the assist. Wes McKinney constantly breaks into that team. No matter how many times we hear from the press, oh, he's going to be out. He's not going to play. Yada yada. He finds a way to get on because he's a he's a he's a prime time player in terms of he's going to give you the 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 both sides of the ball tackling gets on set pieces and the aerial dominance. I think that's what separates him from everyone else is how good he is with his timing in the air and, and tackles. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for Juve and for our two Americans on the team. They are currently plus 375 to win Serie A, and they also don't have any European football, as it were, to compete in. And I think that just helps them have a better chance at getting back and being competitive for the Scudetto. Their first game is away to Udinese, and that's Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Eastern. And remember, the games are on Paramount+. Plus. So let's go make that happen very quickly on the Bundesliga. We've got Gia Reyna and Borussia Dortmund, who should have won the Bundesliga last year and blew it at the very end. They've got a big game. How are they going to play without Jude Bellingham moving forward? It's going to be very interesting. Brendan Aronson going to make Reyna's his out, by Jordan. the way, for the weekend. They've announced that he's not. Oh, wow. Out. He's out. Yeah. So so his injury was you know continued. Is he training yet? I, I think he's I, he must be training because the 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 coach made a statement uh, that he's out. So there. Otherwise, I think it would be. I don't know if anybody would. I, I mean, I mean, maybe somebody. We'll, we'll keep you posted. But, yeah. yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. I look forward actually to the recap. We're going to probably get some more news from each of these teams moving forward in all these leagues. Uh, and I'm curious to see if Wesson will be even playing or what's going to happen there. But yeah, that's. Well, we'll do some more digging for you around Gia Reyna. Brendan Aronson, will he get the start for Union Berlin? Jordi Pifok is there as well. Paxson Aronson, another Aronson. Eintracht, is he going to fit into their plans? They've lost a couple players, and Timmy Chandler is there as well. John Brooks at Hoffenheim. Well, how will he do with uh, Pellegrini Matarazzo, our American manager there, after making sure they survived and didn't get uh, relegated last season? You got uh, Lainez at Wolfsburg and uh, Paredes as well. And then Leonard Maloney coming up with Heiden, Heidenheim. He was a, a German uh, youth international and then played for our U-20s back in 2018, center back. So a couple Americans in the Bundesliga as well. So we're excited to see how that league plays out. But again, we'll do a, a big dive on that uh, in our recap show. We're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we'll talk a little Vlatko Andonovsky and uh, some other fun stuff that... Uh, I think Chuck's going to be really excited to see. So don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back, everyone, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy alongside Charlie and Heath. And big news, Blacko Andonovsky resigns. Not surprising news, but big news because it's official now. He's out as the U.S. Women's National Team coach. And uh, we could argue that maybe should have happened after the Olympics when they kind of stumbled through that competition to finish in third. But... 
he stuck around and I know that he's well liked by the players, but that doesn't mean that necessarily you're always going to be the best coach. You know what I mean? So Chuck, I'm coming to you first. This Vlaco Andonovsky news. How are you? Uh, are you surprised? Probably not. But what does the women have to do? Like what, who should they look, be looking to hire moving forward? And uh, yeah, give me your thoughts. Not surprised whatsoever because he did not get the most out of this group. He wasn't tactically flexible. Especially on the attacking side. Didn't give them a game plan. There, there was no philosophy on the pitch. Uh, I, I think he was not able to, to have those hard conversations to, to move away from, from icons and legends like uh, Megan Rapino to have the courage to bench or rest in Alex Morgan. Um, so ultimately, I, I, I'm not shocked at all. And I think this is a great thing for the, for the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, obviously, you never want to see someone lose their job, but uh, he he just didn't deliver. That's the bottom line. The, the expectation is you're either in, you're winning the, the a final, or or you're at least you're in a final with the U.S. Women's National Team. This is the biggest job in in women's football, and he just he wasn't up to 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 the task. So, in saying that, I think the the logical candidates are uh, Serena Vigman, and you do everything you can to to bring her uh to the the u.s i mean she's locked in i saw the the english fa came out and said she's not going anywhere her contract's till 2026 we are not entertaining any discussions with serena and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a new contract after after this tournament so i think that'll be difficult but um you want to bring in someone who has fresh ideas who We'll have this team be able to have possession, build out of the back, uh, different uh, philosophy than just being so one-dimensional because that's that, ultimately what Vlaco made but, them be was sure. one-dimensional. I just want to jump in on that because if you're asking the players to play a specific style, and I know there's a, what, a former Barcelona coach who, who won a Women's Champions League. I can't think of his name right now. Luis, Luis Cortez. Yes, Luis. So he's his name has been thrown into the mix and and I saw a nice conversation. Uh, one of my friends was in the comments and he basically was saying that you're asking the players, and I agree with him here, to play a certain style. But but if the players are at this national team level, even though some of them are young, a lot of that kind of learnings and that type of style and wanting to play out of the back and that comfortability of playing out of the back has to happen at a much younger age. And so it, it it's not just this head coach that we bring in. It's also, is there a philosophical difference where we have to change? Because it's our youth national teams aren't competing either. The, the teams that are successful now are the ones that have been reigning. Japan won the U-20 World Cup in 2018. You have Spain winning the U-17 Euros consistently, the U-20 Euros consistently, competing and, and getting to finals of these other youth competitions. And we're not. And, and that is something, that's a red flag. And so... I agree that anybody we bring in, you want to make sure we implement. We saw it with the men's team. Greg Berhalter tries to have us play out of the back like we're a club team, and it just it just didn't work. Now, it took a little while to get there, and I think he found that happy medium, but he had the luxury of having that time. And I think the U.S. women's national team is just different. There's more pressure there because there's been more success. And and Heath, what are your thoughts on this overall? I mean, you look at you just look at the fact that over his entire window, he had five losses, right? That's just the different standard. 
that you're expecting. They're expected to beat. But he only everybody. won three three out of ten games in major major tournaments. Well, that's what I mean. That's what it comes down to. Like he's he's judged it's on it's major, about the major competition. Versus Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And, those uh, don't mean anything. Qualifying playing, all that all the expecteds are the expecteds. Like uh, they're you know, and so but it is cultural. Like you you, you how you want to play has to happen at a much younger age. And it's a personnel based system, right? We talked about that with Greg, like if you don't have a guy that can play out of the back, then what are you trying to play out of the back for? Right. Um, right. You know, uh, and, and that type of thing and, and, and the quality of player, I think we certainly have, again, still top tier athletes, still top tier attacking players, but a system that like the educational side of where they're evolving to has to, has to catch up. Cause I think it is behind. Um, and, and, the, the game's bigger, it's faster, it's stronger now. So now you've got to adapt, right? And teams are learning how to play the U.S. differently than they did before. And so there's just a lot of pieces that go into to that that aren't just as simple as, I think, just, you know, play with a back three instead of a back four or like, you know, well, um, gig yeah. and press. Like, I, you know. I, I would add to it is pretty simple given the coach because then you change the players and you it's all about player selection. And right. A, a, a coach like Serena Vigman just goes, you know what? I'm going to change Greenwood and play her. She's a left back, a left attacking player. I'm going to play her as a left center back next to Millie Bright. And all of a sudden, she's the one building out of the back. So it it could be as simple as, oh, I didn't even think to convert a certain player and, and make that a center back to to get, offer those solutions to build out of the back. So it, it, it can be, it doesn't have to be as complicated as, as, Oh, let's start with build. You know, making our seventeens be a little bit more competitive and, and changing their philosophy. Yes, that does help in grooming the system, but it doesn't need to be that way. I, I get it. I, I think there's, as I mentioned with Greg, I think that there is a with Berhalter that there's a blend that you can have this these methodologies that you want to bring in, and you find the players that can play that way, and that really will set the tone for how the national team is going to move or do moving forward. And then it's up to the players to kind of adapt to this new philosophy. So yeah, there's a lot there, but I do think but it's that a quality having- of player, right? Well, we just, we just talked about Yunus Musa. You're telling me that there's a certain type of system. Yunus Musa can't play in. You know right. what I mean? Like the right, quality right. he has the baseline of skill sets, technique tactics, all those types of things. You could put him into anything. And we're not at that point on the men's side yet where you have enough players that you can go, okay, we're going to do something different. We're going to push something different. I think the women's side has some of those types of qualities within that pool to play a completely different style of play, whether more risky or less risky. Um, I, I, I do think that we have those players, but it's not like we're, we're behind on, on that stuff. No, no, I know that uh, there is, I guess some fairness we have to throw into the equation based on the injuries that were suffered by some key players for the women. But then I see the same thing for Serena Vigman and England's they're missing Leah Williamson and Beth Mead and, and players that, led them to the Euros or winning the Euros last summer, including a couple of players that retired. And yet they're still cooking with some gas. And, and that's why Vigman, I think, is considered one of the best coaches in the world. So at FA is like, we're going to 100% reject any offers coming for her. We're going to lock her in. And, and I completely understand why. She's only lost once for the Lionesses throughout. So, so let's maybe not have her included in the conversation because it doesn't feel real. But who do we want to see take over the U.S. Women's National Team? We have Laura Harvey. You have Emma Hayes, who coaches Chelsea right now. Tony uh, Laura Harvey's with them. You got uh, Tony G from, from Australia, who, for those that don't know, was the assistant coach under Jill Ellis for 2015 and 2019 when we won back-to-back World Cups. And He's part of the 2012 team. Before that. 
Yeah, Pia Sunhaga, she she coaches Brazil, and I think she'll probably be on the outs at Brazil after them. No, but I'm saying Tony was with her assistant before that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So he had but two Pia, cycles. I, guess Pia, I mean, Heather O'Reilly was was here with us, and she is was talking about maybe Pia being part of the conversation. I don't know. I don't know if you want to recycle somebody or or try somebody new. But uh, Chuck, who who would you be leaning towards right now? Um, well, I love Tony cause that was my first professional coach. So I know what he can do for, for one player, let alone a team and, and Alex Morgan. Benefited Where did he a lot coach from, you? Where did he coach you? He was my first professional coach at Hammerby. Okay. And so, um, him having coached club football, both men's and women's, uh, and then moved to into the international, uh, level. I think he's just a phenomenal play, uh, he's a player's coach. He's, and he gives you tactics and ideas and he's super creative. And what he was able to do with Australia without Sam Kerr, I mean, to get yeah. them to that point yeah. to a, to the semifinals, phenomenal. Um, a couple other names that I've, I've just looked up and I thought, Hmm, that's interesting is, uh, Sonia <laughs> Bompester from Lyon. She yes. played for Good the coach. Washington freedom. Um, that, she she's familiar with the U.S. Women's National Team and and the players and the kind of the NWSL how how that is I think that would be interesting and then um, Jonathan Costas the 31 year old Barcelona coach currently I mean we're talking about Luis Cortez who f- was formerly with Barcelona why not the current Barcelona coach who has this team playing at an incredible level um, the biggest job in in women's football is the U.S. Women's National Team coach so. Why not make a play? Yeah, Heath, what are you saying? I I don't disagree. To be honest <laughs> with you, I mean the 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 thing is is again if we're talking about you need somebody, I'm not saying we need to allow our women's team to go out and lose games, but you need somebody that's got the trust to go out and make change, right? Because we we know that this team can potentially go deep into a tournament with the quality that we have and the player pool that we have. But th- th- it's a leaning a little bit more and more into into like luck, you know, and on your given day. And you're going to have to have somebody that comes in and rebuilds some of that and gets the backing to to actually start to tinker and test things and learn things um, and be held to a standard. But but whoever it is, it can't just be about, you know, it's it, it is performance based and results based. But somebody needs to have a little bit of belief that like you want something different than what they currently have now, because I think even internally there's a belief that like what they have now isn't a recipe for success for the future, which is what we experienced in 2018 on the men's side. Right. Which was like, finally, until you hit rock bottom, you kind of just go, is it really a problem? And then, you know, unfortunately for our women's team, rock bottom is getting knocked out anywhere, but in a final. Yeah. It does feel like rock bottom right now for the women's national team. Cause it's, it's actually weird to be here and them not being part of the conversation and haven't been over the last week to 10 days. So let's get into our predictions for the final. We got a very good Spain team taking on a very good English team. And yeah, this is this is a tough one to call. I mean, I'm a big fan of Serena Vigman. We've just been talking about her and what the Lionesses have done and, and moving Alex Greenwood, just the, the tactical adaptability. But Spain actually looked better without Alexia Puteas, who is the reigning uh, Ballon d'Or winner. And she doesn't seem happy about it. But when Jenny Hermosa drops in the midfields and uh, Bon Mati, by the way, number six, and Teresa, number three for Spain, are excellent in their midfield. And when Hermosa drops in, that, that's when I think they're cooking the most. But uh, Puteas is a special player, too. And obviously, she's going to have a chip on her shoulder to make something happen. Uh, I, I don't know. This is this is a tough game for me to call. I, I It's really, can, can uh, 
Russo and, and Lauren Hemp up top actually create some opportunities against the Spanish defense. By the way, the Spanish goalkeeper, Chuck, I'll come to you on this one first. She, this is her third ever cap, or her, I guess it might be number four for her in the final. She started the round of 16. This is her first ever cap, and uh, here she is. She doesn't even start for Barcelona, her club team. She's, she's second there, but uh, due to all the stuff with Jorge Vildo, the coach, um, the number one top choice isn't available. So, Chuck, who do you, who do you like in this one? I think it's going to be close. It's going to be close, and I'm going to go with England because both Japan and Sweden, the way they, they played Spain and made it super difficult, I think gives England a good game plan in terms of counter set piece set pieces and in limiting Spain, those opportunities, shutting down Bon Mati. Bon Mati didn't have the best game against Sweden, and I think that was due to Sweden really – Focusing on denying balls into her feet um, and and not allowing her to get into those open uh, spots on the pitch. And we could see Sama Paraguelo actually start in this game uh, just because I know she's been an impact player off the bench. But this might be a game where you say, hey, we're starting her because she is that dynamic. And I think against an England side, maybe that's that's who you got to start with instead of bringing her off the bench. But. I think with Rachel Daly, um, you know, she's been pretty, pretty phenomenal. And Lucy Bronze gets up and down. I mean, she's super familiar with the Spanish side playing in Barcelona. And Kira Walsh is a star for Barcelona. I think they just have enough experience. And uh, with a top manager like like Serena Vigman, I think they'll, they'll be able to get it done. It'll be close, but I think England pulls off the win. Yeah, I, I respect it. Heath, what are you saying? Yeah, I, I part of me is a is an anyone but England fan, um, <laughs> and for the sake of beautiful football, I always love to see Spain do well. But I think England are just they've learned they've learned from 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 losses. They've learned from tough times. They continue to build and be better. And like they clearly are 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 up for this. They have the quality across the board. Obviously, Charlie said they have incredible like coaching in terms of how they're going to be able to roll out. You've seen a number of their game plans, but you just look position per position over position and they're just incrementally better and you add that to like a team type of mentality that they have it's you know i i was i again going back to 2019 to then the euros to now like you just see a team that's primed to like it would be a shock to me if if england didn't win this yeah i agree with you i think that's a great way to say it spain this is their first ever well it's both both women's world cup finals forever first time for both but given that england won the Euros last summer and have that experience of they had the lead there, then they gave it up and they had to win an extra time. I just think that stuff carries over. And I think that experience matters. And I think it's shown throughout this tournament with the Lionesses, whereas Spain does have that uh, 4-0 shock defeat to Japan in the group stages. So I'm going to give the edge to England as well. All right, let's get into final thoughts. I'm going to go first because Lionel Messi apparently just said in his press conference that he's okay playing on turf. He came out and said it. So uh, that's big news for a lot of clubs that uh, and, and uh, Chuck's club of Foxborough uh, revolution up there. But um, yeah, wow, that's a big deal. So I'm very curious to see how that all plays out and how many minutes he'll actually play on that turf. I mean, he doesn't really do that much running anyway. He just picks and chooses. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, final thoughts for you, Chuck. I'm hyped that he's come out and actually said that. We'll see come Atlanta United in, in September if he's on that pitch and he's playing 90 minutes. Uh, but now that we've seen in Miami and leagues cup, do we think they're not going to get in the playoffs given their no. schedule? You don't think they're going to get in the playoffs? Wow. I don't. 
I don't because it's it's a different game when it's not a knockout competition and it's a different game with with that type of uh, yeah the, they're still a hot team right now but I still think what are they 12 points out of a playoff spot right now mm-hmm. they got some ground to cover um and I I think do a whole this, podcast I just think just on this topic I just think that I think the <laughs> I, I just think it's too big too big to overcome and and the momentum around a six game run to a final I think is going to be very different uh when when teams can play you for a draw or plus, you know, there's a le- less of an outcome based, uh, you know, thing of, of your opponent. Plus, they're going to be jumping right into another competition with the Open Cup semifinals, which is on Paramount Plus. Everybody you should tune into that. Mm-hmm. All right, Heath, final thought. Uh, that was actually going to be my final thought. That I still don't think that Miami uh, uh, make wow. the playoffs. Scandalous! Scandalous! All right, Man, I, would love, I would love for them to. I would love for them to. Don't allow this guy in the stadium. Jorge Minos in the league. (laughs) We're calling it a show. So thank you for listening. As always, on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Chuck Wagon, Heartbreak Kid, Hollywood Heath Pierce, and myself, Cream Cheese, Trash Can, Conradino Conrad. Thank you, as always. And we will see you in a couple days after the weekend. Actually, my parents. We're watching yeah, shout out, every show. Shout out to everybody Much watching. Love. And for all the fans that want to stop Chuck on the street, we appreciate you. He really appreciates that happening to him. Makes him feel all good and warm and fuzzy inside. All right. Thank you for your support <laughs> as always. We'll see you soon. Later.